So I think that the great emphasis on raising technical levels for dancers is important, but I also think continued mentorship once dancers join a company and continued curiosity to expand their minds, see other art forms, question what they're seeing. This self-study is important to forming an artist. But if you don't have the technique, then you can't speak. I can't, I, I can I can speak French, but not at a level where I can write poetry in French. If I wanted to write poetry in French, I would have to speak at a much higher level. If you want to create poetry in dancing, you need to have a strong technique to be able to use it to articulate what you want to say. Today I'm talking to the choreographer Peter Quanz. It's so great to meet you here on Zoom, Peter. Well, it's it's a pleasure and thank you for reaching out and connecting and for the important work that you're doing, making artists accessible, talking about their process and making space for people to learn how to connect. Thank you so much. It's for me, it was such a great privilege and uh... You know, it's, um, I think it's, it's like you say, this is why I do it. I think it's so important that we hear and, and, and listen to artists and listen to a lot. People don't know always this whole process of what goes on behind the scenes. And I think it's so important. Well, we're in a time of, of needing to pass knowledge from one generation to another, whether it's from, uh, elders from indigenous communities passing their knowledge of the land on to new generations as we're dealing with here in Canada, or through the arts where knowledge goes from a mentor to a student who eventually becomes the mentor. It's it's such an important time of knowledge transference, of rethinking how we view the, the process, and continuing to understand our humanity. Exactly. And I uh, totally agree with you. And and also, I think it's important that we don't, uh, for the new generation, to understand that everything has a time period. You know, that thing, it doesn't happen all in a year or in two years, that there's a long process to achieving something and to work on something. And, um, you know, and you hear this often where you speak to people and speak to artists and and you hear the story. When you hear the story, you know that it didn't happen overnight. And, you know, there was also a learning and experience and everything that goes into that. Well, the, the great choreographer Yuri Killian from Netherlands Dance Theatre has said that in every creation he does, he must go into the process as an amateur with an open mind, being curious bringing his experience and instinct from the past, but with the ability to adapt to what's new, current, and the mood of the people around. And I think that's a wonderful way for to, to see creation for somebody who has so much experience and so much to offer, and who has led the dance community, to still have the humility to enter the room as an amateur. As somebody who's curious, it's it's just amazing. It's a beautiful yeah. philosophy. Yeah. But Peter, tell me, you uh, where did your dance career start? Well, I was a terrible dancer. Really? Nobody want to look at me. 
cannot uh, believe that. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I was I was accepted into the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School in Canada because of my talent as a choreographer. Oh, and I was graduated from the school because of my choreography, not because of my dancing. And when I graduated, they gave me a $5,000 scholarship to travel Europe. And I went to Hamburg Ballet, Stuttgart Ballet, Dutch National Ballet, and Netherlands Dance Theater. And I sat on the floor for six months at the front of the studio and watched and learned. And that opened up the possibility for me to be part of the Young Choreographers Workshop with Stuttgart Ballet in 2000. And I staged a ballet a short 10 minute work with apprentices and one corp dancer from the company. And somehow people liked it. And Reed Anderson, at that point, director of Stuttgart Ballet approached me and said, you've done a great job. You still have a lot to learn. How can I help you? Wonderful. And he created a position called volunteer in Stuttgart Ballet, where I was paid enough money to pay for my rent, nothing more. I had grants from the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and I lived a very meager existence, eating the 50-cent soup in the canteen. Mm -hmm. But I spent two years with Stuttgart Ballet, watching rehearsals, watching creation, coaching, guest dancers, beautiful artists. I was in opera productions. I choreographed for the theater. And in my spare time, I traveled all over Europe on the train and went to art galleries, symphony concerts, opera, ballet, and got a really incredible education that was not from a book. It was through experience. But you must have been, or you must be then a very inquisitive person to be able to want that, to want to learn and to want to, to know more. The fear of having to go home and have no passion in life was such a driver that I had no choice. Really? You know, I, I am so fortunate. I was mentored by the best people in dance across Europe, London, New York, across Canada, Russia. And these people, so many people gave generously of their knowledge, helped me understand the incredible legacy that we are passing on. And without these teachers, without their, their generous gift of time and wisdom, I'd have gone nowhere. And so it, it has, I, when I look back on my development, uh, after Stuttgart, I went to London and did another year there, and then a year in New York, uh, just watching. Uh, so many people, invested in me and i'm grateful to the wisdom of these elders uh in helping me understand why dance is important that it's not just about doing the 32 fuetes or doing having the highest leg or the biggest technique it's about the humanity the emotion the connection between senior artists to younger artists and then the exchange, the wonderful energy energy exchange between the audience and the people on stage. These teachers helped me to understand why we are here and gave me the responsibility to pay it forward. 
But do you think in, this is wonderful that you say that about, you know, that it's not just about the technical aspects of dance, but it's really about the dance and humanity and, and the art form. But do you think in the past years, there were a lot of attention on the physical side, you know, like the, or the, the, this aspect of, oh, how high can the leg go or how many fuetes or, you know, how many pirouettes or so. And that it lost, in a way, the artistry for dancers. I am very fortunate to serve on the jury of Youth America Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. So I am part of the process that helps students move to bigger schools and have better training possibilities. Of course, we look at pirouettes and the shape of the leg and the height and proportions. But when we sit together as a group of judges, we talk about who touched us, whose emotion came across the stage and reached us at the table. That is an important part of the decision. But the tricky thing with ballet and with any of the classical arts is that in your formative years, you have to develop your technique to the highest level. And if you can develop that technique and really be able to play with it, to not just have an, a beautiful arabesque line, but to understand how to make that arabesque speak, how to be emotive, then you can say something with dance. But first, you have to have the arabesque line. So with the work in the school, you learn the technique. Later in the company, you learn how to break free and dance. So I think that the great emphasis on raising technical levels for dancers is important. But I also think continued mentorship once dancers join a company and continued curiosity to expand their minds, see other art forms, question what they're seeing. This self-study is important to forming an artist. But if you don't have the technique, then you can't speak. I can't, I, I can, I can speak French, but not at a level where I can write poetry in French. If I wanted to write poetry in French, I would have to speak at a much higher level. If you want to create poetry in dancing, you need to have a strong technique to be able to use it to articulate what you want to say. That's a wonderful analogy that you use there that makes it really understandable why it's so important. But now in those years that you sat, that we say, say you sat in, in the studio and watched everybody and, and listen, I mean, you being open to learn is, is a, it's a wonderful quality that you have, but did you feel a little bit impatient? Because when we talk about two years, it's a long, it is a long time. It's now it sounds, it doesn't sound long, but when you're there and, and doing it, um, what, patience must you have had to do that well you know when you're young mm -hmm. you want everything now yeah I was lucky that I was given phenomenal opportunities very young okay uh, but nobody's going to hire a 20 year old choreographer mm -hmm. nobody's going to invest in somebody who's still forming themselves but I was given opportunities to choreograph for the Royal Ballet and American Ballet Theater when I was 25. Wow. It was phenomenal. And I'm thankful for those opportunities. Uh, 
but I didn't have the social skills, the confidence, or the self-understanding to really be able to understand where I was. I was pushed very quickly, and that helped my career. It also helped me to go into a 10-year depression, a loss of passion, a loss of understanding what I was doing. It put me through very difficult years. And with tremendous tenacity, self-reflection, work to dig in why I'm here, why I have something to give, why did all those people invest their time and energy in mentoring me? It's taken me a long time to figure out who I am, my place in the world, and how I can give back. But because I was pushed quickly, I got opportunities that I wasn't ready for. And I needed to take the time to step back and reflect. It was hard. I can Very imagine. Hard. Yeah, I can imagine. And and true what you say, sometimes when you're just not ready for it, I mean, you're ready to do it, but you're not ready for everything that comes along with it. Yes. You know, I was like a, a very technical dancer who could handle any variation, anything thrown at me. I could manage a corps de ballet. I could integrate soloists. I could, I knew how to manage a schedule, but I didn't know how to manage people. At that point, I choreographed everything before the rehearsal day started. And I went in and I staged it. And after a creation with the National Ballet of Canada, Karen Kane took me aside and said, Peter, you left the dancers out of the process. You didn't involve their knowledge. I encourage you to rethink how you work. And she was right. So I spent quite a few years working on smaller, intimate work where I learned to sit on the floor instead of demonstrating. I learned to enter the room with my musical structure clear, my intent thought out, but everything flexible so that I could create the movement with the dancers, with their knowledge, with their bodies, not mine. And that development led to tremendous breakthroughs for me in being able to connect with artists, being able to leave them the space to leave their footprints in the choreography so that they feel ownership of what they're doing. It allowed me to get up close and personal, while at the same time being able to step back and doing something grand. It allowed me to zoom in and zoom out at the same time. So it was incredible advice that Karen Kane gave me. Well, it's almost, uh, it sounds like when I speak to composers, for example, that they say the same thing, that once the musicians have the music, then it, it's something, you know, then it, then it brings something. And then they have to release it to, to make it this something that, that happens, you know. There's a point where the choreographer has to get out of the way of the dancers, to step back, stop changing things, stop worrying about what if I'm happy with what I've created and allow them to take over. And that's a really tricky balance to find. Uh, I just finished a collaboration with Les Grands Ballets Canadiens in Montreal. It was a huge production, very fast. 
and learning with 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 two casts of dancers, learning how to step back at different times based on the needs of each dancer, how to be more involved in somebody's uh, development for this person and for that artist, learning how to just let them be free and not get in the way. It's it's a creation and dance is all about connecting with people and everyone's different. Everyone has different needs and having the maturity now to be able to step outside of myself and worry about them, allow them to go has been a big development for me, but it's taken time. I've been for professionally for 23 years Mm -hmm. and I can tell you the path has not been a straightforward one. It has wandered in many directions. No, uh, you, no opportunity has a clear outcome. And it's just about being in the moment, being present, and opening your mind to other people. I assume that when you have this connection with your dancers or with the dancers and, and the choreography, then that connection um goes towards the audience then as well because there's then this open connection between you and the dancer and that they project that then to the audience who has to feel this same connection as well i hope that an audience would feel that Mm. you know there are there are scientific studies that show that when an audience is watching a performance if they're really engaged their heartbeats align Really, And I think the idea of having 2,000 people sitting in a space together with their heartbeats going as one mm. is just mind-blowing. Yeah. And that's the audience and the dancers. Mm-hmm. This exchange on an, instinct, an in- instinctual level, the, that the sense of community of witnessing something together is definitely something we missed during the pandemic. Yeah, but also shows how important live theater is, and why we need to continue to invest in helping artists learn how to offer themselves, and help audiences learn how to arrive at the theater informed, engaged, and ready to do their job as audience participants. Yeah, that's true. But tell me, Peter, about this new production that you have in in Canada with the ballet. Well, I, I'm working on several projects right now. Okay. Uh, right now, I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's I haven't been here since I was a child, mm-hmm. and I'm working on a very intimate duet with two young contemporary dancers, two women, and it's fantastic because it's small, intimate. It's only it's the mood, the nuances, the relationship change in very subtle ways over the course of the piece. And so to get to work in that very intimate material is exciting, especially after three and a half months of working with 45 dancers on a massive creation of Lady of the Camellias. It was a fast creation, eight months from concept to the stage. Wow. Where we had to put together a new score 85 costumes, huge set design, manage the orchestra, and create all the material for a very complicated story. Now, this story has been told beautifully by Ashton, 
by Neumeier, by Valkana Baroli. It's been done in operas, in films. And to find my place in such an already explored story was difficult. I spent six years reading the novel, eight times, reflecting. And when I went to meet with Florian Zeman, the conductor that I work with in Germany to assemble scores, I tore up my treatment after 15 minutes because I wasn't getting into it. And through our discussion, I decided that we would have, the, well, that the character of Marguerite Gautier was so complex, so rich, so interesting that I needed three. So mm. I have three Marguerites and three Armands. Basically, I have four emotional tableau in the piece. Love, sacrifice, abyss, and then death, where in death, all, all three couples come together. But by doing this, I was able to really explore the different aspects of Marguerite, show that her character and Armand, and show that their characters are bigger than one person, more complex than one artist can do. And then I also surrounded that with text taken from the novel, from Alexandre Dumas-Fils's novel, and... I used his philosophy from the novel to create a contemporary framework around these different emotional tableau. And no, in no other interpretation has a director looked at the first third of the novel, where I believe that Dumas, the young writer, was warming up to tell this amazing story. He talks about philosophy. He talks about stories that are not connected to the narrative. And that was really interesting to pull that material in. And also one other relationship that I was really excited about is Marguerite had a lifetime servant, uh, Nanine or Nanette. And at the end of my ballet, this character, this servant, goes through the death process with each of the Marguerites. And it's, uh -huh. the ballet has this beautiful duet between two women. And I'm able to show that maybe the most important relationships in your life are not with your loved one. Maybe they're with somebody who's a companion, someone who journeys with you, who sees you in intimate ways that nobody else does. And exploring this relationship between these two women uh, who have a different hierarchy was really profound. And very meaningful to be able to put that in and explore that material. But how amazing that you looked at it that way and and taking such a, a big um, project, you know, or, or, or such a big ballet, that, a well-known ballet that you that you managed to have the confidence to to do it in this way. Well, it was much more terrifying to to consider telling the story in a way that could be compared more to Neumeyer's version. Oh yeah. That's terrifying mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'll never compare to that. I'll never have the budget, the time, the, the life experience that Neumeyer had by the time that he made that ballet in 1978, he made a beautiful version and I can't compare to that. So I needed to find something that was from my heart. Mm -hmm. But why specifically that ballet? Was it commissioned or or was it your choice? The director, Ivan Cavallari, uh, mm -hmm. had danced in Neumeyer's production in Stuttgart. I had been in that production as well as a young artist. 
And Yvonne thought that it was appropriate for the Montreal audience because it's a iconic French novel. They study it in the school system. Ah. Uh, so it was something that was connected to that community. And so he felt that it was a good story to tell both for the Montreal audience and to give the emotional experience to, to the dancers in the company. And he felt that some of my life experience had opened me up to step beyond being a technical choreographer to being somebody who can paint emotion with movement. He felt I was ready. But where do you start in this process? I mean, you said you read the book, but it, it's for me. I always think, where do you where do you start? Where where what inspires your ideas? Deadlines. Oh, okay. So, the contract was signed at the end of January. Costumes were due two months later. So I needed to provide the information so that the costume designer could do her work. So if I need to know by scene, how many scenes there are, I need to know how many characters, what type of costumes. Those deadlines drove the, the, the choices I had to, to make to deliver the information for my team to do their jobs. So basically we had the... The, once once I had the concept of these emotional tableau and the narrators uh, using the text, I was able to say, well, I think I'm going to need this number of people for this part, this number for that part. That was before we even had music chosen. And then once the music started to come in, I made small revisions, I combined some characters, but it was all driven by by deadlines. When you're working on a collaboration of this size, with a big company, it's a machine. And you have to provide the information for the machine to continue to run while also providing space for dream time, for me to reflect and think through and maybe add some things, take some things away. And it's just uh, for those eight months, I lived this story while doing other work in China. But I was doing my work in China during the day there and then at night working on this production. And you just, you have to put your personal life aside. You have to focus 100% on, on trying to examine the material that you're working with and find ways to communicate a father who's worried about his son and therefore telling his son's courtesan girlfriend that she will destroy his life unless she betrays him. That's hard to say in dance, in, in movement. Yeah. And finding a way to create these characters that are not superficial, but that have a thought process of their own was really intriguing. For every moment in the ballet, the main characters have a monologue. They know what they're thinking at every moment. And we worked through that before we started the choreography. So we knew the intent and we discussed it and we shaped it together as a team. And then the steps just poured out. Amazing. It was an amazing process. Did you Hard. do the casting? But did you do the casting? Do you know, did you know the dancers that you wanted to work with? 
I've been fortunate to work with Les Combats des Canadiens uh, off and on since 2008. So I knew some of the dancers, but there's been quite a turnover with a change in director and and just it, time has passed. So I knew some of the dancers. I had seen the company in performance, but there were a lot of dancers I was unfamiliar with. So I took the advice of the director and the two ballet masters. I explained what before the creation I felt I needed for each role. And we tried to put people in the best places. Now, you always make some mistakes, but sometimes you get some things right. And you just have to, to work with who you have in the room and find a way to, to get everybody on board, united in a vision, but also with the space for them to contribute. It, being a choreographer is being a communicator, a negotiator, a mediator. You're communicating shreds of information to a vast team of people who think in different ways. And you have to give them the information so that they can do their jobs, whether it's trying to figure out how to get a grand piano on and off stage with the least amount of effort possible. Why is that important? Because I don't want the technicians to move the piano. I want the dancers to move the piano. So we don't want to leave fingerprints. So the dancers need to wear gloves, which affects the costume department. All these bits of information have to find their place between various teams of people. Are you a, a good communicator? Can you can you really uh, get to make somebody understand exactly what your idea is? I don't know exactly what my idea is, but I can give you some questions. I can say, I'm looking for something like this. This is the problem I'm grappling with. How can you help me understand it? I can um, communicate in six languages and work uh, conceptually in six languages. Um, and I feel that over time, I've learned how to communicate. But communication is something that is an ongoing journey, takes endless curiosity. People's ways of entering the, the room change over time. Generations are different. Yeah. And so I don't know if I'm a good communicator, but I'm a curious, interested communicator. And that helps me to connect. I cannot connect with everybody, but I will do my best to connect with who I with those with whom I can. But now and uh, you are also working in China. I have been privileged that for the past decade, I've been working in China. In 2014, Le Grand Ballet Canadien took a ballet of mine about Auguste Rodin and Camille Claudel to the National Arts Centre in Ottawa. And the Chinese embassy sent their cultural uh, team to the performance. The next day, I was summoned to the embassy. Wow. Driven in by a car through the, the massive gate yeah. and walked in and I was interrogated for an hour with three people writing down everything I was saying and big boardroom table. And they asked me questions about how do you communicate with a different culture? How do you as a foreigner step into a place where you're a guest? 
how does the how do you see the individual versus the collective is dance a collaborative art form things like that i mean they were they were vetting me and i guess i passed because they set me up with an agent and a job in china and it all just flowed from there and 10 years nice. later i'm still going back i now speak chinese enough to make very big mistakes okay <laughs> um so for example i was working with beijing dance academy and I had 60 students in the room and I wanted the boys to lift their legs higher in arabesque. Mm. So I said to them, where's your back leg? I want to see your back leg higher. is back leg. But I said, which means sausage. Where's your sausage? I want to see your sausage higher. To a bunch of teenage boys. <laughs> but they laughed and it brought us together. They know that yeah. I'm in a language that I don't speak well. And it's those moments of showing vulnerability yeah. that actually bring you closer. Ballet has mm -hmm. always been an art form where we have to show that we're strong. We leave our baggage at the door. We don't show how we're feeling. But I believe that to really reach into somebody's heart and to help them reveal that something that they didn't that they themselves didn't know was there. I need to be the first one to show that I'm vulnerable, that I'm human, that I'll make mistakes, I'll have bad ideas, we'll laugh about it, we'll throw them out. And by having the bad idea, maybe we can together find a good idea. And so over time, I've learned to have the humility to laugh at myself to make mistakes in front of large groups of people and not care. I can fall in rehearsal, will laugh, but maybe my fall will show, will reveal something that allows the dancers to go further. So you asked about earlier about the balance between technical abilities and emotional uh, availability artistry. Over time, I'm learning to not seek perfection, but to create the space for mistakes, create the space for discovery, and for us all to realize that when we enter the theater, that sacred space, we just want to show ourselves, whether it's do through do doing 32 amazing fuetes, but can you do those fuetes in a way that creates a feeling and an emotion rather than just bashing it through like a machine? How can we find a way to create emotion, to create memories that are burned into the imagination? That's more important than a high leg. But that trust, those relationships take time to build. And it takes maturity for a leader, a choreographer, to know how to laugh at themselves so that other people feel comfortable to give their best. That's so wonderful. And that uh, the fact that, I mean, this is also now communication. So the fact that you can't speak the language that fluently or, or couldn't, I mean, uh, probably now it, you do it much better, but um, that communication, that emotional communication that you then have, um with them is amazing 
this is actually more important than the verbal. Yes, it is. How you touch somebody on the shoulder. Mm. Is it calming? Is it threatening? Is it a power dynamic? Is it to say, it's all right? Yeah. Those, those small things are very important, and those gestures are different across cultures. The working in China has really been a privilege. It's been extremely difficult to, as a Western person, to be invited into processes where I'm working with Chinese material, Chinese music, Chinese myths, Chinese culture, and to really balance what is appropriation, what is an invitation to engage with another culture, and what is the value of this dialogue between East and West. As tensions rise in the world politically, we need discussion at an artistic level so that we realize at the end of the day, we all have a mother, we all may have kids, we have a family, we have a heart, we get together for a dinner, we have fun, there are tensions, but at a very basic level, we're all human. But the way we see the world is vastly different. And so this type of artistic dialogue brings us closer in being able to say, well, politically, you think this is important, we think this is important, but why? Not just what do we want, why do we want it? And if you can understand the why by developing how we relate to each other, by de developing understanding in our differences and our similarities, then maybe we can step back and look at who we are and what we're doing. But isn't that, uh, again, how the importance of art, that we can really cross these boundaries and 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 in this way of communicating and expressing ourselves. It's very difficult. There are there have been a lot of misunderstandings. A lot of times when I've been in China where I've been furious and ready to leave, where my team has hated me. But what has been incredible is that after a couple of days of us all pouting in our offices, we sit down and we talk. And it can be very ugly but it's honest. And we can say, you made me feel this. I made you feel that. We hurt each other. But we all care about what we're doing. So how can we get past that and get, the, get these relationships back on track? It's very, very difficult to be a foreigner in another country in a different mentality. But it's a tremendous gift. And if you can accept it, it provides new ways of thinking and allows me to understand where I come from better and to be a better communicator in my culture because it gives me space. But do you think this, because you mentioned that you that, uh, the things that you do there, are are they quite cultural? So a lot of things are really Chinese cultural, is it music and, and some of the stories that you have to do? What I've been 
able to do in China, in, in Harbin especially, which was founded, Harbin Ballet was founded in 2019 by a director who had founded Guangzhou Ballet and who I had worked with there. And then she then transferred over and brought me in as resident choreographer. I've been able to do a huge variety of ballets. I've done a version of the Nutcracker, a classical, beautiful version of the Nutcracker that is respectful of its roots, that communicates with the Chinese audience, but that is a straight up Nutcracker. I've done, excuse me, Rachmaninoff's uh, second piano concerto as a neoclassical ballet. I've also, on that same program, did a piece using, well, exploring yin yang, black and white, heaven and earth, Chinese philosophy with a commissioned score of Chinese drumming. Wow. To be able to have those two ba ballets on the same program created at the same time. I've worked with Chinese myths. Uh, I've worked with Chinese philosophy. I've at the same time been able to take ballets that I created for American Ballet Theater or the National Ballet of Cuba or Q Dance, my company in Winnipeg, and then rework them for Harbin Ballet. So I'm not limited to material coming from the Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. I'm able to work in a variety of ways, a variety of movement vocabularies. And I really appreciate my director giving me the freedom and the, the nurturing to, to have the information to reach into their culture while also being able to support me offering what I know from my culture. Uh, the fact that you are there and you can have this knowledge um, of the culture and use it and use it also in ballet. And so don't you think it's also, um, I mean, if, if you had stayed in Canada, you would never have had that exposure. But do you think this is also now making you think differently when you do choreography for, say, um, uh, you know, other ballets, not not necessarily culturally um, uh, or Chinese culture ballets, but that you that that sort of that information and that knowledge and that um, the sense of their culture that makes it differently when you choreograph uh, do choreography um, for something else. I've realized with a lot of work and reflection that what is making me unique as a choreographer is my ability to involve cultural immersion as part of my process. So that's the word. That's the word. Yeah. Cultural so what I've learned in China, the movement that I've learned from classical Chinese dance mm -hmm. now is infused in my choreography for ballet in Western companies. Mm -hmm. I'm not appropriating it. I'm taking the movement ideas and developing ballet with that influence. You know, uh, in classical ballet, there's the step en boite, which is a jump where you move your feet like this. It was taken from the can-can and then became classical ballet. Classical ballet is a language that is continuing to evolve and have dialogue with different types of dance. And it becomes richer, better. 
through the connection with different cultures. And that's really exciting. And this cultural immersion that I've been able to uh, learn from has made my choreography in ballet richer, in contemporary dance richer, and it's a dialogue that goes back and forth and in many different directions. The piece that I'm working on, that I'm rehearsing today here in Saskatoon, has elements of Chinese dance in it. Really? It has elements of ballet, of contemporary dance. They're all working together. And my voice has been shaped by cultural immersion, by spending four months in Siberia near Mongolia and learning, going through shamanistic rituals, learning ethnic Mongolian dances, by experiencing eating lunch in a yurt every day. As I said before, your path forward is never straight. What you learn in Siberia, in the middle of nowhere, on a train with a, on tour with a Russian ballet company, will somehow, 10 years later, influence your work in another creation. And so this accumulation of experience, of connections with amazing people, is a rich uh, soil to continually dig in. Well, you've also uh, in the beginning said that you you are open to learn, and you you were you know visiting the studios, sitting there and watching and learning from from the masters. But you are continuing this process, it seems, in your life because you you take on these things and you take on these ideas and and use them and uh, reshape them and let them evolve into something. That's amazing. The day we stop learning is the day we die. And I want to live a long time. Yeah. Amazing. But now, Peter, um, uh, do you live in China or do you just travel backwards and forwards? So I, I, I have a share a house with my partner in Waterloo, Ontario, which is close to where I grew up. So my parents are in that area, which is wonderful. I do guest work. So I was just in Montreal for three and a half months. And then I spend six or seven months a year in China and I have an apartment in Harbin. So I'm traveling most of the time and living a very peripatetic life. I do have roots. I just don't see them very often. Oh, okay. But you are immersed in the culture there. I mean, you live there and you you eat there and, and you have this, you you sense this whole lifestyle there. I'm you're not, you're not a visitor there. You you live there. A Chinese family in Harbin uh has invited me into their family. So I spend every Chinese New Year with this family. They have three generations living in two cement rooms with wow. a cigarette store in the front. It's a very average working class Chinese family. And every time they have a celebration with their whole extended family, they invite me and I have a place at the table, another pair of chopsticks. Wow. And the table is covered with these amazing dishes that they all prepared. And they've taught me how to fold dumplings. Oh, really? And so when I go there, I help cook. 
oh, okay. as part of the family. And that to me is more meaningful than going and having another fancy meal at a hotel. Absolutely. Mm. Now, I think that's, um, and, and that's part of, of your experience there, mm. I believe. Mm. I've but been we, very fortunate. Mm. Peter, um, but tell me now, what what are the still the wishes for you for the future? <laughs> I know you're going to still learn a lot, but is there something specifically that you would love to do? I hope I can just always regularly be able to be in the studio with invested, amazing, curious dancers and create whatever they need. I just, I just want to be creating with great people. That's all I care about. And that studio could be in the middle of nowhere. It could be in New York. But the point is not the prestige of where you're working, but the level of connection and involvement that you can have with the people with whom you're sharing space. And, you know, I've gone from this huge ballet in Montreal with a vast team. This week, it's tiny. And I'm excited that, that I can balance that in my life and have those different opportunities. And I just hope that I'll always have the curiosity to learn and the generosity to share the information, the excitement, the passion that so many of my mentors gave to me. Now, uh, talking about your mentors, do you have, do you see young choreographers that you think, hey, the, this person really has something that you like to mentor or um, are you too busy at the moment for that? I think that being too busy for that would be a mistake. It's my responsibility, my job to constantly look out for young choreographers who may have a very raw, unshaped talent, but to uh, offers a place to work. Like I, I am commissioning a work from a young choreographer in Winnipeg for Q Dance in June. And I will be working with her through the process to support her, to help her reach further into her own work. Uh, I try to keep in contact with, with different choreographers on uh, different parts in their journey and just ask them how they're doing. What are you experiencing? It's my responsibility to mentor, but also connecting with other people inspires my work. It keeps me curious. It might confront me with a challenge that I hadn't seen before. So mentoring is, is, is a two-way street. It involves engagement from both people and provides delight and excitement and rewards to everyone involved. It's uh, like the uh, 
piano a pianist um, and also a piano teacher and uh, that he said that uh, he learned so much from teaching you know from from his students actually um and that's also part of the learning process for him not just for the for the student mm, that's beautiful mm. yeah, those relationships are are what will keep us moving forward mm. You know, to be connected to the past, to kind of have a Janusz perspective, to look back into the past while simultaneously looking into the future. Mm. We need to be open both ways, but yet know that we're here. Yeah, because the young choreographers, they are they are the ones that's going to be to carry on this art form and to explore new things. And uh, yeah, and they need they need the guidance as well, I believe. We all stand on the shoulders of the great people who came before us. But we have the responsibility to know what they did. And also the challenge to break what they did respectfully. You can't just keep doing the same thing with trying to do classical ballet. We can't keep the same structures, the same forms. We have to reimagine them constantly and confront uh, different ideas on body image, on gender, and use what our society is experiencing to reimagine our art form and give it new life, new relevance, and a new place. That's very true. But Peter, thank you so much for your time. This was so wonderful talking to you. Petra, you offer very thoughtful and considered questions. I really applaud your interest and dedication and curiosity in seeking out why we're here and how we can connect. And Thank you for doing this, this important work and for your humility in creating this, this platform and exposure. Bravo. Thank you so much. And it's a great privilege and an honor. And I um, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing this with me. My great pleasure. Okay. <laughs> and whenever you come to Vienna. I've never been there. Well, I think you have I to come to and do. Uh, you have to come and do a, a ballet here for us. I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, you know, I went through a really difficult time where I couldn't send out my work, and I had to really rebuild myself. And now I'm ready to reach out again. But I would love to meet you in person that and see great. your beautiful yeah. city. Never know. I believe we will meet each other and we will be in Vienna drinking a coffee and uh, and having a torta while your your um, work gets put on the Staatsoper stage. Ah, that would be a dream. So let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Bless you and thank you for doing this. It's a great pleasure, Peter. Have a lovely day. You too, Petra. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.